Hello and welcome to another episode of Change of Directions, your weekly podcast for hydrogen, hydrogen-related news, business news about hydrogen and everything what you're interested in. And I'm very happy uh, that we have a new guest on our podcast show. It's André uh, Müller. He is um, the CEO of Toyota Germany, and uh, he will provide us with the latest news what Toyota is planning um, in the realms of uh, hydrogen and what is happening. Hello and welcome to our podcast. Hi, Don. Uh, pleasure to be with you. Uh, excited to to speak uh, about one of my fourth uh, most favorite topics, which is uh, indeed hydrogen and fuel cell and everything uh, related to it. Yeah, Toyota is one of the forerunners in terms of hydrogen mobility. They started quite early. Can you provide a little overview about the past and current approach? Um, why you are integrating hydrogen fuel cell technologies and how does it differ from your other uh, strategies that you have with cars? Yeah, it, the good news is, uh, Don, that the, the strategies are basically uh, combined into one strategy, which is uh, called the multi-pathway approach. Because as a global OEM, we're selling 10 million vehicles a year across all countries in the world. Uh, you cannot focus on just one technology because the access to charging, the access to clean energy, the access to mobility is completely diverse. And that's why in order to, to answer uh, to diverse challenges, we need to have a diverse portfolio uh, of uh, powertrains uh, and the mobility solutions. So, so indeed, uh, fuel cell is uh, and hydrogen is one of the key uh, promising uh, technologies uh, going, going forward. And we started uh, with Mirai, uh, and all the research around it, perhaps already, was already 20 years, 22 years ago, uh, where at that time the biggest challenge was, okay, how can I uh, have a, a fuel cell that can still perform below minus 20 degrees Celsius? So the cold start and cold operation was one of the key challenges uh, which we have been uh, overcoming. And then uh, with Mirai 1, we were the first one uh, producing a mass, mass-produced uh, vehicle on, uh, on fuel cell. And uh, I myself, I'm uh, driving a Mirai 2 as a company car, and uh, we have 100 fuel stations in Germany. Uh, so you need to plan a little, but I'm visiting all my dealers with my Mirai and uh, more than happy to only re refill within uh, four minutes and then have another range of uh, 500 kilometers on the clock. So in which markets and regions is Toyota selling the Mirai, and where does it have the most success? And where are you seeing the adoption of hydrogen-powered vehicles? And what do you think is enabling the success of the Mirai? Yeah, I mean, I mean, like for, for every, let's say, next generation alternative uh, technology, you need to have an infrastructure supporting it. It's the same for an electric vehicle where you need to char have charging infrastructure. Um, but moreover here for, uh, for fuel cell vehicles where you need to have a, a fueling infrastructure. Uh, so, so based on that and based on the national poli policies on how important uh, at the moment the uh, hydrogen is considered in the, uh, let's say, renewable energy direction. Uh, so we basically started in those markets which are more advanced. So, so clearly the U.S. Uh, was, selling, was selling the most vehicles and they are only in a few states, uh, of course, mainly, uh, mainly California. Uh, but also Japan uh, and Europe, and within Europe, uh, Germany has most probably, let's say, half 
at least half of the volume uh, we are selling um, of uh, here because of the infrastructure, like I just uh, just mentioned. Uh, and and Europe is also on the on the rise because from the Europe uh, from the European Green Deal, clearly there are commitments and directions in order to enhance uh, fueling infrastructure uh, across border. So so here we see uh, yeah further further potential also in Europe, and also that's why. Let's say Toyota, with its R and D efforts in uh, in Brussels, where we have our R and D center, uh, have has an own, let's say we call it a hydrogen company. So, which is a, a business unit uh, clearly focusing on expanding the hydrogen business uh, within Europe. But the same is happening in China. Same is happening also in uh, in Japan. That like you mentioned, China and China seems to be like the largest market for or largest growing market for for hydrogen powered cars, also because they're investing also heavily. Um, how do you approach the Chinese market? Yeah, the, so so Chinese uh, in the Chinese market, we where we will have. Um, I think we are at the final final stretch of having even uh, a fuel cell production site, uh, and at the same time, we have strong local R and D. And what some media sometimes uh, are not properly reporting about is that China is not only uh, a market. Which uh, which is really focusing on EVs, uh, but they focus on the full portfolio of zero emission solutions, uh, even not not fully zero, but plug-in um, uh, vehicles, uh, plug-in hybrids are still uh, part of the overall direction in, uh, in China. So fuel cell, yes, uh, electric vehicle, yes, and also the plug-ins have a strong has a strong share. And as uh, let's say investments into new technologies uh, always require big scale. Uh, we are glad that, let's say, trends in developed markets are basically going in the same direction. So so we are able to sell, for example, in Mirai nearly unchanged across the world. So we will really have then global products. How does Toyota or, yeah, the company address the question about, like, the concerns about the availability and accessibility to hydrogen infrastructure? Because... Like, do you play a part in it, like in terms of talking to governments, talking to local governments? Uh, how do you try to build up the infrastructure? Yeah, I think I think the, and this is really, I'm glad you asked that, uh, Don, because I think uh, that's, that's the biggest uh, challenge to understand for the general public, but also for, uh, for uh, decision takers in the, in the political environment. That uh, hydrogen is not cannot be singled out into, yeah, it's a it's a it's an industry solution or it's a mobility solution. So the overall target for Europe is uh, to be um, uh, carbon neutral and fully decarbonized by 2050. And Germany said, okay, we are do going to do it until uh, um, 2045. So so hydrogen is is essential uh, when you combine both sectors. Because uh, the renewal, re Renewable Energy Act you have in Germany, um, you are not able to store the renewable energy in the electrical grid. So you need to have hydrogen uh, for buffering, uh, for transportation, uh, and also, uh, let's say, running, running the uh, parallel infrastructure. And there, Germany is quite advanced. Other markets uh, around the globe have similar ambitions. Uh, so we are quite, um, uh, quite, quite happy to support public debate so on your question of what are we what are we doing um, of course I was in Berlin last last week uh, so I joined a, a congress of the logistics um, um, uh, companies 
which have um, specific um, challenges, but also opportunities. Uh, trying to explain uh, what is a Toyota, what is Toyota stands, and how Toyota can help and can support. Uh, but what is most important is that we're creating a lighthouse projects that uh, a customer is able to see what does it mean operating in a hydrogen uh, system. And so, so we have a cooperation um, with the GP Jewel. Uh, which is a producer of green hydrogen in the northern part of Germany from wind energy. And we supply uh, our buses. Uh, and basically, we can showcase, and that was also impressive for the politicians, uh, without uh, dedicated, uh, let's say, reinforcement of those uh, regional clusters, we can uh, operate um, a completely green um, hydrogen cycle uh, from creation of the energy to electrolyzers converting it, uh, transporting it perhaps 10 kilometers, 15 kilometers to the next fuel station, and then um, having strong consumption uh, for the public transport and uh, decarbonizing public transport. So this is a kind of a local case where I think when this is shown and explained to politicians, but also to the general audience, uh, then people do understand that you cannot think mobility different uh, from the energy sector. So it always has to be considered in combination. So you mentioned that transportation and logistics is also a big topic for hydrogen. What exactly is Toyota doing there? Can you give us an overview? And also, do you put your fuel cells into trucks or the buses that you mentioned? Yeah, absolutely. So so really, the um, the most important thing is that it's not, a, it's not a, let's put it differently, it's not important in which shell uh, a fuel cell stack and a tank is provided, but it's important that as many as possible fuel cells are refilled with uh, with green energy. So that's why we have a scaling uh, strategy. So we we bring our fuel cell from the Mirai. It's actually really the Mirai uh, latest fuel cell. Uh, we bring into buses. Uh, we help uh, companies with engineering uh, support in order to uh, to manage the the integration, uh, but also in uh, in, uh, in heavy trucks. Uh, also, let's say, into buses from, uh, let's say, competitor competitor brands. Uh, but also when you look at, uh, let's say, heavy-duty machines like uh, diggers and uh, Caterpillar type of vehicles where, let's say, within a, pure, a purely electric uh, charging infrastructure, it would not be feasible to have those applications running, though so we support. So, so in general, our... Our fuel cell and tanks are, are, are scalable, and we are developing uh, at the moment uh, generation three, where we will see uh, further progress uh, towards it. So, so, but one thing we also need to consider, let's say we need to consider for ourselves, but also every other brand is considering how to decarbonize your total operation. So, so we are currently converting uh, with the Dutch company VDL. Uh, five hydrogen or uh, five trucks into hydrogen uh, and uh, fuel cell trucks in order to decarbonize our uh, logistic route. So basically, we are our own pilot as well uh, in order to make sure that uh, we are getting scope three decarbonization efforts um, uh, fully realized within the given time frame. Just so I understand that correctly, you're also retrofitting older diesel trucks into hydrogen trucks? Yeah. Older, older diesel trucks, but also um, older buses. So, like uh, we are a top sponsor, mobility partner for the Olympics and Paralympics, and in Paris, uh, we basically did convert old buses 
um, combustion buses into hydrogen buses, which which is answering which is answering of course one of the biggest uh, questions because it's not about uh, the end of the combustion en- engine by 35, but what to do with the UIO globally? I think we at the moment we have 1.3 billion uh, cars uh, on combustion engines on the road, and they will not be converted uh, within a period of uh, t- uh, 12 years. So, so what are the efforts uh, to we can we can undertake uh, to convert those existing fleets, uh, specifically uh, trucks which have a, a, a long life cycle? I find that super interesting. Because you seem to be the only manufacturer actually does that. I think the costs of retrofitting are lower than building a complete new hydrogen bus. Yeah, I think the you need to, you need to um, to different to differentiate between let's say different applications because the business case um, uh, lies li- uh, is different. Wh- which kind of infrastructure you uh, you will find? Uh, so, for example, if you have um, machines, and I was talking to uh, to uh, the head of one of the biggest uh, German airports, they have machinery which is uh, which is used for 15 to 20 years. So if they would wait until uh, kind of the new machinery would be in place, so they are not able to uh, to even also achieve their own CO2 emissions. So so retrofit solution need to be there uh, specifically uh, for uh, for let's say transportation needs uh, where the where the, where the, the the usership cycle is longer than just a regular four-year cycle. So, so and there, of course, the the business is beginning. But the most important thing is that you master and you have you have a, a competency in the core, which is the fuel cell and the tanks, and the ability uh, to adopt to different applications. That's super interesting because, like, I'm I've been around a bit and also talked to a lot of. Uh, companies that are using trucks and logistic companies and they say, yeah, this is one of the biggest problems because you have this long life cycle of trucks, 12 years, 15 years. So they have to make a decision now. So if Toyota were offering a viable retrofitting solution uh, that would open up a huge market for Toyota globally. Yeah, and either either like like in, in via direct business or you have also specifically in the German market you have a lot of highly competent converters who are doing all different types of conversions and then we can um, serve them with our with our, our hardware uh, and they already successfully pilot conversions done in, in many fields so you already answered uh, this question uh, what you are doing in perspective of the public private uh, collaborations uh, uh, which I have on my list here so this is one also, from what I learned, like you named GP Jewel, we know them, of course, and, and uh, VDL. So cooperation or working in a collaboration seems to be very important for Toyota for the strategy. Yeah, it's essential. And uh, I'm, I'm already nearly 20 years with the, with the company. And uh, I think in the past, you could have managed the challenges uh, ahead of you alone. And uh, so that's why also internally we had to, to change, to open up, uh, to create collaborative efforts, uh, which is uh, now the future going forward. I mean, even if you remember, I mean, when you are kind of a high, following the hydrogen field for quite some time, we even gave the Mirai 1 um, uh, patents away because uh, it's, not, it's meaningless when we have to fight carbon that everyone says, okay, I have the best solution. But if there is no scale, it is not a solution. 
So even if you think you have a USP, but the USP uh, needs to be uh, judged in a different way or also depending on the dissemination of technology uh, needs to be considered at a different stage, specifically when there are step changes in technology. Yeah, yeah definitely. And we also need the changes in different areas. You mentioned that hydrogen is an all-in-one solution for, for a lot of uh, sectors. Um, and beyond passenger trucks, uh, uh, passenger cars and trucks. So what other commercial applications do you have or does Toyota have in mind when it comes to the fuel cell technology and what benefits do these applications then have? Yeah, 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 indeed. I mean, because there's there's currently a little bit of a discussion, is, is Toyota stepping out from passenger cars? The answer is no clear answer uh, because last week we launched the new Crown uh, in the in Japan uh, with the with the updated version of our fuel cell with uh, 150 kilometers more range, uh, a better packaging, and we are working on the third generation. So the, so the, really the answer is we're not stepping out uh, from passenger car because for long long distance driving uh, people who don't have time uh, this is still the best uh, best solution. Uh, so so when you ask about the the different Different types of application. I think we mentioned already one, which is uh, which is very promising, which is um, uh, the bus sector, uh, because uh, let's say the local community uh, communities they need to decarbonize. Uh, so this is one of the key of the key means uh, they are they are focusing on. Uh, but also in terms of stationary uh, um, uh, applications, uh, we already. Um, Let's say have a few installations uh, up and running uh, in uh, power generators. So, so the the fuel cell of Mirai is just built in, and instead of having a heavy diesel generator, uh, so a kind of a, um, a an, uh, uh, not noise making uh, a generator based on fuel cell is a is a good solution. But also uh, the maritime um, area, because when we think about how vulnerable let's say the sh shipping industry is or basically the sea uh, for a drop of oil versus um, versus hydrogen uh, so so here we have also already pilot uh, application as well as on the on the on the rail uh, side of things uh, so we we have pilot applications in trains because you are not able to electrify let's say every meter of the of the local uh, train infrastructure or rail infrastructure uh, so here we got really multiple, multiple applications. I think the 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 speed of um, of dissemination is then driven by, um, let's say, travels and transportation needs, which are first uh, in a uh, from hub to hub, uh, where you have uh, specific for rail. It's very it's very easy to to define, let's say, your refilling stations, and then uh, then you can scale uh, based on based on that. I think the American market is quite interesting for that because I think they only have 1% of their rail system electrified. Is this a sector that Toyota is also looking at? Yeah, but here but here again it's it's really a matter of um of uh, cooperation and uh, there are many companies who have uh, 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 profound expertise and we see ourselves rather an enabler. Because also those industries and everyone, everyone operating uh, will have to uh, decarbonize. I said, I said to the to the politicians last last week. Uh, the good news is what we are talking here is 
there is no discussion about the end point because our end point is full decarbonization. So now we can discuss about, let's say, which path uh, or which speed, uh, but we are not debating on uh, what is the general direction. I think that's uh, that's motivating that uh, step by step everyone understands that uh, collaborative effort uh, based on the same uh, set of uh, objectives uh, will be creating much more momentum than we have seen in the past, where perhaps there were different regulations and different uh, stages. But now, the situation is clear. Global warming is happening. Decarbonization from the industry is a must in terms of for our generation, next generation to survive, but also uh, customers will not be able or will not be willing uh, to accept anyone not putting any effort. So also when you look at uh, demand and supply, uh, demand will be also stronger uh, for products which are uh, produced, uh, shipped, uh, and uh, and also, uh, let's say, consumed in, uh, in, a, in a sustainable way. You said in the beginning that you were doing research and development with hydrogen and fuel cell technology for over 20 years. And you also mentioned the third generation of fuel cells um, that you have now working in the in the Mirai. So um, can you share some insights into Toyota's ongoing research and development relating to fuel cells and what is the main focus? Yep. Do you accept that? Like, there is a lot of talk about platinum in, in fuel cells. There's a lot of talk about like how can you how can you change the fuel cell to make it more sustainable or to last longer? So um, what are you planning there? What's, can yeah. you give us some, some secrets from your research? Oh, secrets. <laughs> oh, secrets. Uh, for Toyota, Toyota and secrets are always very, very challenging for journalists, I know. Uh, but, uh, but also part of the new uh, approach uh, also to Toyota is uh, in order to, uh, for everyone to join in, we need to be also more open, more transparent. Because then everyone else has also lead times. And if we're just coming out with a ready product, we're already losing perhaps two or three years where we can have make an, a bigger impact beforehand. Uh, so, so yeah, I can I can give you some uh, some information. Honestly speaking, I'm not I'm not in the detail of the cell of the cell structure and what is the what are the right um, um, let's say elements to it. But clearly, the objective is to be uh, let's say to have as less precious metal as possible in order to. Uh, not have the environmental impact of getting those, uh, but also uh, to have a kind of supply chain resilience uh, for for fuel cells. But what is our clear um, objective for the for the third generation is kind of the maintenance fee uh, free um, the the maintenance uh, it should be maintenance free. So the the maintenance interval. Uh, so we are aiming for uh, for a very strong total cost of ownership, which uh, from current. Uh, fuel cell, the maintenance interval will be uh, two two times uh, um, uh, bigger. Uh, at the same time, we will expand the cruising range. Of course, it's not only the fuel cell, it's also about your aerodynamics and whatever, uh, but we're working on a target of plus 20% uh, efficiency increase. Uh, and uh, the most important thing, uh, again, cutting the cost uh, in half. So from generation one to two, we're already achieving that kind of level of, uh, of cost efficiency. So now we are uh, trying to do the same uh, for a third generation. So 50% cost reduction, which then opens up as a kind of a low barrier of entry, opens, uh, opens up many applications, but also not applications only, but also more companies who can then be part of it instead of focusing perhaps on 
the big OEMs or the big uh, big suppliers. Relating to that, um, I read and I saw uh, that uh, Toyota also brought a race car to the racetrack um, with a with a hydrogen. I think it was a hydrogen combustion engine. Um, do you think that the hydrogen combustion engine? A lot of people are talking about that at the moment because Cummins has developed one uh, and is now selling it. Um, other companies are working on it. I heard BMW maybe working on it. Um, do you see a future for the hydrogen combustion engine? Yeah. So, so basically, when we look at the the multi pathway approach, uh, we're also looking into into this, and uh, and indeed, we are already doing some race uh, experiments with hydrogen combustion, which is a nearly zero emission uh, solution. So of course, let's say CO2 is zero. Uh, if it's fueled by green hydrogen, there are some a little bit other uh, exhaust, but uh, very minimal. And and we're looking also uh, uh, also motorsports uh, first into e-fuels because the uh, what we discussed earlier, we need to uh, serve the UIO, so the units and operations uh, uh, that also are as early as possible uh, the units and operation towards the end of uh, decade uh, will get a uh, zero emission uh, solution. So so H2 combustion is and so forth um, promising because of course uh, the, uh, the, uh, the additional cost of the fuel cell uh, is not there but you have still let's say you have vibrations uh, for truckers Let's say once they have experienced a fuel cell truck or an electric truck, so they want to they want to uh, continue to have that uh, that relaxing drive. Uh, so, and when we look at total cost of ownership, uh, we see for the long haul truck, we see uh, the total cost of ownership uh, uh, of a fuel cell truck is the lowest versus all the other alternatives. So even lower than a diesel. So, so this is uh, this is very very promising because you need to also consider now in Germany, for example, uh, recently the the toll uh, was increased uh, dramatically, uh, and only um, uh, it's it's only exempted or reduced when you have a, a zero emission a truck. So, uh, so this will happen in more countries, uh, in more regions uh, in the world. Uh, that in order for the politicians to steer decarbonization of the transport sector, uh, tolls will be applied, which are which are then accelerating the uh, the, the the penetration of uh, zero emission solutions. So this is all going on at the moment that uh, for Toyota's hydrogen strategy, which is super interesting to to hear about. Um, but in general, there's always a lot of talk about. How big is the niche for hydrogen cars? So we have some companies working on that, but where do you see? Do you see that hydrogen cars could also go into like mass mobility stuff, individual mass mobility stuff, or do you still think that it's more a niche, as you said, for, for example, people who have to travel a lot per day? Um, does it make sense to put a fuel cell into a car that drives like 10,000 kilometers? Yeah, I think I think when you look, I mean, in Germany, you know, the German the German market. Or when I say long distance drive, is it everything who has a company has a company car or has a little bit of a of a commute to make uh, on highway uh, and so forth. So I don't I don't see it as niche, uh, but indeed, also at the same time, we are pushing our electric mobility solutions forward. Uh, we introduced a solid state uh, battery to be launched twenty eight. 
Uh, so so the, the battery electric vehicle will also progress. But there will be always charging time um, and also, let's say, the, the cost of the battery uh, is uh, not necessarily driven by scale. It's driven by the raw material, which we don't see uh, that in the foreseeable future uh, this will be widely available. We have a shortage on lithium now uh, and this will continue for another few years. So, so our vision is mobility for all Mobility for all means um, everyone uh, who has different needs in one country, but also across country uh, and across region in the world. So we need to think about decarbonization in Africa. The path is completely different uh, than uh, North America or more developed um, countries like uh, like Germany. So, so as a global manufacturer, this vision of mobility for all uh, we need to we need to push uh, push forward. And uh, when you think about a passenger car in Japan, like I said. We had uh, just uh, recently launched the, uh, the Crown uh, Hydrogen. Uh, so we need to always think uh, the car plus the supporting infrastructure. And as the grid in Japan is not so resilient, um, so hydrogen is a, is a very strong uh, contender uh, for uh, broader application. So it's always the combination on, uh, let's say, infra- infrastructure plus uh, mobility solution which will greatly vary also for the next years um, uh, across com- countries and needs. Thank you so much, André Schmidt, for this interview. André Schmidt, the CEO of Toyota Germany, with some insights into the future of hydrogen and what Toyota is planning, I think. We learned a lot today about that. That was our podcast for today. I hope you all have a great time through the holidays and we're going to hear us again next year with more news about hydrogen. Have a good time. Until then, bye-bye.